the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing. Sam Moppin is engineering, which is a wonder because both of these guys are going to be heavily involved tomorrow at Fish Fest at the Salem Waterfront. If you haven't yet purchased your tickets and you're still thinking about going, the weather, it seems, is going to be a bit cooler. Go to kpdq.com and check it out. James will be working with the artists and pretty much everywhere. Sam is going to be working uh, with photographing with his drone from overhead. So if you see or hear something buzzing by, you'll know. (laughs) That's evidence that Sam is somewhere nearby as well. Anyway, Fish Fest coming up tomorrow. So going to be a great weekend. Today, we're going to share the Christian outlook in our second hour. I had an opportunity to uh, interview Pastor Alan Jackson. We talked about his book, Big Trouble Ahead, a real plan for flourishing in a time of fear and deception. And part of that uh, that conversation made it on the Christian outlook this week. We'll also hear a conversation between David, or rather Don Crow and Stephen Moore. They talked about the enormous Inflation Reduction Act. It adds about $80 billion and 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, They'll talk about that. And Tim Gatos will turn to Frank Gaffney of the Center for Security Policy. They talk about the unprecedented FBI raid on the former president's residence, uh, some of which we'll learn uh, details regarding when the uh, redacted version of the affidavit is made available at some point in the not too distant future. So that's coming up on the Christian Outlook, that and more. So hope you can stick around. Well, on Fridays, we try to take a look at headline news in the first Half of the first hour and in the second half of the second, I guess we're still in the first hour. Who's on first? I'm a little confused here. Anyway, the second half of the first hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. So hang with us. We'll begin with Apple disclosing that there are security vulnerabilities in iPhones, iPads, Macs, and it allows full administrative access to your devices. They disclosed it in a security update that some of its iPhones and other devices had certain vulnerabilities. Uh, Wedbush Securities Managing Director forecasts that Apple stock uh, is going to break through $200 and continue to head north on uh, in an interview earlier today, and perhaps because of the vulnerabilities that were discussed earlier. Well, Apple released this emergency security update today, disclosing that there were vulnerabilities for certain of their products. Well, these vulnerabilities were disclosed in a software update, which the company said should safeguard the products. The first issue involved the potential for an application to execute arbitrary code with kernel privileges, I have no idea, which refers to a discrete right to perform an operation. The second issue, according to Apple, was the WebKit, which is a layout engine designed to allow web browsers to render web pages. Apple said it was aware of the report that uh, this issue may have been actively exploited. The issue could allow a potential attacker to take complete control of these devices. 
Security experts have advised users to update their affected devices. The iPhone 6 and later models, several models of the iPad, including the fifth generation and later, all iPad Pro models and the iPad Air 2. The Mac computers running Mac OS uh, Monterey. The vulnerabilities also affect the iPod Touch 7 generation models. So if you uh, are in that orbit, heads up. Well, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, he's a Republican out of Kentucky. He thinks that Republicans have a lukewarm chance of flipping the Senate in November, citing candidate quality as the factor. Well, the senator made the honest prediction at the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce luncheon this afternoon. I think there's probably a greater likelihood, he said, the House flips than the Senate, the minority leader anticipated. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Well, of course, in an election, one would assume that that would be the case. But there was this was certainly not a rosy, optimistic picture of the Senate flipping in the midterm elections. Now, a lot can happen between now and then, but this may have been something of a dig at former President Trump. Many of the candidates, Senate candidates on the Republican side were Trump endorsed candidates. Many of them, or at least some of them, were um, uh, voted for by Democrats who wanted desperately for them to move to for them to advance uh, rather than a more moderate version of a Republican so that their candidate would have a better chance of winning. Well, right now we have a 50-50 Senate and a 50-50 country. But I think when all is said and done, McConnell went on to say, all is said and done this fall, we're likely to have an extremely close Senate, either our side up slightly or their side up slightly. In other words, he has no idea. Well, the Kentucky senator who has led the Republican Party in the U.S. Senate since 2007 has weathered midterm defeats in the past. The GOP failed to capture a Senate majority in 2010 and 2012 due to candidates like Todd Aiken in Missouri and Christine O'Donnell in Delaware. It remains to be seen how Senate elections are going to play out. And while Republican J.D. Vance holds a five-point lead over Democratic appointment Tim Ryan in Ohio, according to a new Emerson College poll, the race remains tight. The same survey says Ryan is ahead of Vance in favorability, receiving 54 percent over Vance's 50 percent. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, analysts are predicting that the lieutenant governor, John Fetterman, holds a stronger lead over Republican candidate Dr. Oz. Um, The Cook Political Report says the Pennsylvania race has shifted from toss up to lean Democrat. So, again, this is a shift from what we were hearing and saying just a month ago until we actually have an election and ballots are actually cast and counted. Do we know what the outcome will be? Speculation is fine. It can be informed speculation, but it falls short of the real thing. But just a heads up of what's uh, what the latest speculation is based on polling. President Biden is building the wall. Well, not that wall. American taxpayers are paying about $500,000 security fence to protect the president's Delaware beach house. Now, the southern border, that's a whole nother matter, but you're not going to get anybody over at the president's beach house in Delaware. It's unsafe in Seattle. The liberal city saw a sharp rise in homicides after progressive leaders demanded police be defunded there. Saying you are always welcome here as long as you don't actually come here. Democrat sanctuary cities policies have come back to haunt them over migrant buses with actual migrants. Reignited um, uh, by their uh, rhetoric, CNN, MSNBC, ABC figures uh, ramp up attacks on the dangerous GOP following the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid. 
And Tucker Carlson points out that despite President Biden's unpopularity, Democrats still have a chance of holding Congress in November. Huh? That sounds like McConnell to me. Sean Hannity says FBI agents who did the Russian collusion witch hunt conducted the Trump raid, tying the two together and at least shining a spotlight on why many uh, Republicans anyway, many Americans and not just Republicans are a bit skeptical of actions being taken by the FBI, calling them boomerang workers. Retired Americans are being forced back to work by surging inflation. A federal judge has directed the Department of Justice to release a redacted affidavit used in the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. In the interest of um, transparency, this is a good idea. They'll redact what uh, needs to be redacted, but the American people will feel a lot better. I mean, maybe there are reasons justifying the raid uh, at uh, at the time it was done, in the way it was done. But at this point... Uh, in ignorance, it's it's not clear that that's the case. Katie Pavlich points out that a federal judge in Florida may order the release of the affidavit used by the FBI to carry out a search warrant and raid on President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home last week after it is heavily redacted. The decision to call the redactions comes after a number of news organizations requested and sued for the affidavit be released to the public. President Trump has also called for a full release of the document without redactions. America reports says that federal judge Reinhardt decides that some documents behind Mar-a-Lago raid are to be unsealed. ABC reported the judge said he believes there are portions of it that presume presumptively could be unsealed. Whether they uh, uh, would be meaningful is for someone else to decide, he said. The government may disagree with him on some points, he said, giving DOJ until Thursday to file its proposed redactions. Hugh Hewitt believes the affidavit should be unsealed. Cable Newswatch says a burden is on the Department of Justice to prove this isn't a crusade to get Trump. Meanwhile, President Biden misrepresented the number of jobs created by the CHIP Act. Hot Air reports that the CHIPS Act includes about $52 billion in new spending to be delivered to the semiconductor industry in the form of manufacturing incentives and R&D money designed to spur more chip foundries in the United States. But when touting the new bill, the president went just a bit beyond reality by claiming it would lead to more than a million new construction jobs. Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post asked the White House for the source of that claim. They were directed to a 2021 report by a semiconductor industry group, which estimated the impact of a $50 billion investment in the industry. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll continue to take a look at the headlines of the day and the lighter side of the news later this hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. On the president's misrepresentation of the number of jobs created by the CHIPS Act, the Washington Post reports that the first tip-off that the number is fishy is because the number is so big and round, one million. One million construction jobs being created. Instead, the report predicted such an investment, roughly equivalent to the CHIPS Act, would create an average of 185,000 temporary jobs annually throughout the U.S. economy from 2021 to 2026. Six times 185,000 adds up to more than a million. But note that these are not all construction jobs. In fact, few are construction jobs at all. Meanwhile, a federal uh, court blocked the Biden administration's moratorium on federal oil and gas leasing, a potentially fatal blow to the policy that's been tied up in the legal battle since 2021. Early in the year, U.S. District Court for the Western District of Louisiana Judge Terry Doherty issued a permanent injunction 
blocking the leasing moratorium in a ruling late Thursday evening. He wrote that the president, President Biden, lacked any authority to implement the policy under the Mineral Leasing Act and Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act, which regulate federal leasing on public lands and water. The U.S. government wrongly pressures big tech to censor speech. The Wall Street Journal reports that Alex Berenson is back on Twitter after being banned for nearly a year over COVID-19 misinformation, in quotes. Last year, the former New York Times reporter settled his lawsuit against social media company, which admitted error and restored his account. The First Amendment does not apply to private companies like Twitter, Mr. Berenson wrote last week on Substack. But because the Biden administration brought pressure to bear on Twitter, he believes he has a case that this constitutional his constitutional rights were violated. Facts that Mr. Berenson unearthed through the discovery process confirm that the administration has been secretly asking social media companies to shut down the accounts of specific prominent critics of administration policy. Dinesh D'Souza weighs in, saying we see regular chats and communications between the CDC and these tech agencies. We see high levels of coordination between the government and the tech industry. The Kentucky Supreme Court temporarily upheld an abortion ban until November 15th. Uh, hearing and after the general election town hall reports that on thursday kentucky's attorney general daniel cameron revealed that the kentucky supreme court upheld the commonwealth's abortion ban allowing the human life protection act and heartbeat law to remain in effect this is at least for the time being while the court reviews the case attorney general daniel cameron said this morning the Kentucky Supreme Court denied an attempt to reopen abortion clinics in Kentucky. The court's order ensures that Kentucky's Human Life Protection Act and heartbeat law remain in effect while the court case continues. Google employees have petitioned for additional abortion benefits. This is a benefit the company is offering employees, and they still demand more. Over 650 Google employees signed a petition seeking more generous abortion tourism benefits from the technology company. Google Chief People Officer Fiona Sissoni told staff that the firm would um, cover the out-of-state abortions and allow employees to apply for relocation without justification. Nevertheless, members of the Alphabet Workers Union endorsed a petition demanding that the company expand the benefits to temporary employees, vendors, and contractors. The Australian Parliament votes to exempt Christian hospitals from performing abortions. Epic Times reports the Parliament of the Australian state of Victoria has struck down a bill compelling all hospitals that receive state funding to provide access to abortion services and voluntarily assisted dying. If the bill had passed, it would have compelled all hospitals, including those associated with religious organizations, to provide said procedures to inquiring patients. Life News weighs in, saying that abortions are legal for any reason up to 24 weeks in Victoria and later in certain circumstances. Doctor-assisted suicide also is legal for people in the late stages of advanced disease. The law protects hospitals and medical workers from being forced to abort unborn babies or participate in assisted suicide in violation of their conscience. Uh, State parliament leaders agreed that these protections should remain in place. Governor DeSantis has announced 20 voter fraud related arrests. Uh, The Florida governor announced on Thursday that the state's new Office of Election Crimes and Security has uncovered 20 instances of voter fraud since its establishment on the 1st of July. The Office of Election Crimes and Security, in conjunction with the attorney general's office and the FDLE of the state of Florida, 
has charged and is in the process of arresting 20 individuals across the state for voter fraud. The governor said he claimed that the 20 individuals from Palm Beach, Broward and Miami-Dade counties voted despite being disqualified due to previous convictions of either murder or sexual assault. Ukraine fears Russia is attempting a false flag operation and Turkey publicly supports Ukraine. Russia has allegedly told workers at the uh, nuclear power plant not to show up for work on Friday. Ukrainian military intelligence has exclusively confirmed this comes amid allegations and speculation that both Russia and Ukraine that an incident is being planned Friday at the plant. Let's pray that is not the case. The order has sparked concern that Russian President Vladimir Putin may have plans for a so-called false flag operation as the war enters its sixth month. Dwindling alcohol sales has led Japan to get creative in in order to increase their business. In an effort to bolster alcohol sales, they've engaged in a marketing campaign to get young people to purchase adult beverages. Huh. By signing the Inflation Reduction Act, Joe Biden reinstated uh, the lease sales, uh, 257, a massive 80.8 million acre offshore area in the Gulf of Mexico that is the largest oil and gas lease in the U.S. history. The lease has been derailed following a court order over lawsuits were um, were raised by eco uh, groups claiming the evacu- the evaluation of the climate impact wasn't properly analyzed. The administration conveniently chose not to fight back, but the lease will now be allowed to go forward. 20 people will be charged with voter fraud in Florida. Rainbow-colored fentanyl pills are pouring over southern border, and they've hit American cities. They look like Lucky Charms, um, the marshmallows. They look like candy. Uh, and you, you have to ask the question, are they intended for children? And the answer, of course, is absolutely. They look very much like candy, and that's uh, by design. The U.S. government has evacuated more than 800 American citizens from Afghanistan since the Taliban swept to power. And the U.S. troops officially left the country last August, according to data provided by House GOP investors and investigators, rather, and the State Department. The figure, which hasn't been previously reported, highlights the ongoing nature of the efforts to make contact with and ultimately evacuate hundreds of Americans who were unable to leave Afghanistan as the U.S. military rapidly withdrew from the country last summer. The data also underscores that hundreds more Americans were left behind in Afghanistan than was previously known. A federal judge on Thursday blocked portions of a federal law restricting how workplaces and schools can discuss race during required training or instruction championed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And a conservative consumer advocacy group issued an alert on Wednesday urging Americans to be wary about investments managed by BlackRock, the world's largest investment firm. Consumer Research uh, warned that BlackRock uses its massive clout to pu- to push a radical agenda t- on consumers. Blackwatch, uh, BlackRock, rather, which manages an $8.5 trillion global portfolio, has pushed so-called environmental, social, and government ESG standards, prioritizing green energy, infrastructure like wind and solar development over traditional fossil fuel investments, the group said in the warning. Red states are giving a, a, a boot to woke firms seeking government business and the Oregon governor's race. Well, it moves to a toss up pointing to a possible historic GOP win. 
A transgender student, Grant Sykes, has been rejected by every University of Alabama sorority. And the Salman Rushdie attacker has been indicted by a grand jury. Ukraine warns Russia may cut off the uh, nuclear plant from power from the power grid. And there's great concern about its future. On this day in history, 1812, the USS Constitution defeats the British frigate HMS Guerrero of Nova Scotia during the World War um, the uh, during the war, rather, of 1812, earning the nickname Old Ironsides. 1848, the New York Herald reports the discovery of gold in California. 1909, the first automobile races are run at the just-opened Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 1939, a plebiscite in Germany approves the vesting of sole executive power in Adolf Hitler. 1976, President Gerald Ford wins the Republican presidential nomination at the party's convention in Kansas City. 1982, Soviet cosmonaut Svetlana Savitskaya becomes the second woman to be launched into space. 1990, Leonardo Bernstein conducts, or rather Leonard Bernstein conducts what turns out to be his last concert of his career in Tanglewood in Lenox, Massachusetts, with the Boston Symphony Orchestra, the program ends with Beethoven Symphony Number no. 7. 2004, Google begins trading on the NASDAQ stock market, ending the day at $15.34. And in um, and, uh, 2014, a video released by Islamic State militants purports to show the beheading of an American journalist, James Foley, as retribution for U.S. airstrikes in Iraq. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a turn when we return. We'll take a look at the lighter side of the news, so stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news, and I'm not quite sure this fits in that category. But a Missouri pastor has apologized to his congregation after a viral video during a sermon earlier this month showed him scolding his congregation, telling him that, telling them that they were poor and cheap for not buying him a luxury watch. Carlton Funderburk, the senior pastor at the church in Kansas City, apologized in a Facebook video for what he called an inexcusable series of remarks that made, um, uh, that he made in an August 7th sermon. Uh, though there is context behind the content of the clip, and I can't imagine the context that would make this okay, uh, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish caused by my words, he said. I've spoken to those I am accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. I've also privately apologized to our church, who has extended their love and support to me, end quote. Well, the viral clip that circulated online showed Funderburg scold church goers for not honoring him with the um, a Movado watch that he claimed to um, have asked for. So, you know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. You might want to check out and see what the pastor um, what the pastor wants. He said um, in the clip, this is how I know you're still poor, broke, busted and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me or rather not honoring me. Uh, I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John's nits. And he goes on from there. Anyway, the clip ends with the pastor saying, y'all hear from your pastor and father. I'm over y'all. I'm over y'all cheap expressions. So this was supposed to have been uh, apparently a response to a gift he had expected but did not receive. So sadly, that was the case. One of the world's largest moths has been discovered for the first time in the U.S. in Washington state. Let me just stop and repeat that. I live in Oregon. Washington is next door. One of the world's 
largest moths has been discovered for the first time in the U.S. in Washington state, prompting officials to ask residents to report any sightings of the insect. It's an atlas moth. Uh, It was initially reported to state um, etymologists by the University of Washington professor on the 7th of July. Uh, The Washington State Department of Agriculture said the moth is typically found in tropical climates and is not native to the U.S. Now, it's not clear if it would even survive if we return to what's more typical weather here in the Pacific Northwest. But this is a gee whiz type of insect because it is so large. That's what um, Sven Spikner uh, from Washington, uh, the managing epide- or entomologist said, uh, even if you uh, aren't on the uh, the lookout for insects, this is the type that people get their phones out and take a picture of. They are that striking. Well, while considered a federally quarantined pest, I would agree with that. Now I have federal backing. The Atlas moth does not pose a public health threat. Unless, of course, you're terrified of the moth and can be safely photographed, handled and lo- and uh, collected, the agency said, with a wingspan of up to. Now, last week we talked about a moth that has a five inch wingspan. This moth has a 10 inch wingspan. The USDA said the Atlas moth is one of the world's largest known moths. In other, in other words, it's a bat. It's a bird. It's a moth. The single moth found in Washington state is believed to be the country's first confirmed detection of its kind. But one wonders how many others are lurking. The WSDA said there is no evidence that an atlas moth population is established in the state and have been um, there have been no reports of other sightings elsewhere in the U.S. Now, my guess is if you see a bird go by, you just assume it was a bird and not think, well, that might be a moth. Officials said that residents who believe that they have spotted an atlas moth should send photographs uh, to the pest program and the uh, and include the location in which it was found. So if you see me passed out, uh, whether that's in the city, in the forest, in the car, wherever, um, you could be pretty sure there was a uh, moth with a 10 inch wingspan somewhere nearby responsible for my sudden attack. Ow. Well, voting is underway for Kids and Teens Division of the USA Mullet Championship. It's an annual contest to find the best business in the front, party in the back haircuts in the country. Well, the online polls to pick the best kid mullet and teen mullet in the United States opened on Monday and will close sometime today. The Kids Division includes 25 finalists whittled down from a field of nearly 700 entries. And the Teens Division features 11 finalists narrowed down from 80 entries. The winners in each category will earn the title of America's Best Mullet as well as $2,500. Now one wonders, is this the kids' idea or is this the parents' idea and who'll keep the $2,500? A registration for the men's open competition for 2022 is available until the end of this month. The winner will receive $2,500 and the USA Mullet Championship trophy. The $10 registration fee goes to charity groups Stop Soldier Suicide. So there you have it. Mullets are back. Again, business in the front, party in the back. Well, authorities in Italy hit two tourists with heavy fines for surfing along the famed Grand Canal in Venice, a stunt that upset the city's mayor. The iconic canal that uh, winds through the city is not just Venice's main thoroughfare. It's also recognized uh, by UNESCO as a World Heritage Site. Well, the tourists, who were not immediately identified, were caught on video using motorized surfboards 
to surf the waterway. They even dodged a water taxi after opting for the Grand Canal over the numerous beaches in that area. Well, surfing and swimming have long been banned in the canal, which is a major tourist attraction and an important means for transportation for those who live in Venice. In one video, the surfers uh, pass under the, uh, 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 I think it's Academia Bridge, and one falls from the board. However, he made sure to keep his uh, cell phone out of the water to film his companion. Well, the mayor of Venice uh, posted a video to social media in a call to punish the servers. He called them two overbearing imbeciles who are making a mockery of the city. Needless to say, he was offended. Well, the surfers were ultimately tracked down and their surfboards confiscated. Each fined more than 1500 U.S. dollars. Not sure what that translates into Italian lira. Well, in Prohovo, Serbia... Europe's worst drought in years has pushed the mighty river Danube to one of its lowest levels in almost a century, exposing the hulks of dozens of explosives laden German warships sunk during World War II near Serbia's river port town of Prahovo. Well, the vessels were among hundreds scuttled along the Danube by Nazi Germany's Black Sea Fleet in 1944 as they retreated from advancing Soviet forces and still uh, hamper river traffic during the uh, low water level. So they were deliberately scuttled. However, this year's drought, viewed by scientists as the consequence of uh, climate change, has exposed more than 20 of said hulks on the stretch of the Danube near Prohovo in eastern Serbia, many of which still contain tons of ammunition and explosives and pose a danger to shipping. The German flotilla has left behind a big ecological disaster that threatens us. People of Prohovo, says the uh, uh, one pensioner, 74, uh, who was around to see this when it uh, when it happened. Workers in the local fishing industry are also at risk, including from Romania, uh, which lies just across the river. Well, months of drought and record high temperatures have snarled river traffic on vital arteries in other parts of Europe, including Germany, Italy and France and Serbia. The authorities have resorted to dredging to keep navigation lanes on the Danube open. Meanwhile, a... Um, in Caracas, in uh, Spain, I should say, a brutal summer has caused havoc on uh, for many in rural Spain as well. But one unexpected side effect of the country's worst drought in decades has delighted archaeologists. It's the emergence of a prehistoric stone circle in a dam whose water line has receded, officially known as the Dolmen Guadalupeiro or something like that, but dubbed the Spanish Stonehenge. The circle of dozens of megalithic stones is believed to date back to 5000 B.C. Well, it current, uh, currently sits fully, fully exposed in one corner of a reservoir in the central province of the, of the um, uh, city, where authorities say the water level has dropped to 28 percent of capacity. It's a, a surprise. It's a rare opportunity to be able to access it, says one archaeologist, uh, one of the experts racing to study the uh, the circle before it gets submerged again. It was discovered by German archaeologist Hugo Obermeier in 1926, but the area was flooded in 1963 in a rural development project under Francisco Franco's dictatorship. Well, since then, it's only become fully visible four times. Dolmen, dolmens are vertically arranged stones, usually supporting a flat boulder. Although there uh, are many scattered across Western Europe, little is known about who erected them. Human remains found in or near many have led to, 
to the belief, uh, often cited theory, that they are tombs. Local historians and tourism associations have, have advocated moving the uh, the stones to a museum or elsewhere on dry land so that they could be observed and appreciated at some future point. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment for some more light news and the Christian outlook coming up in the second hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Just a reminder, coming up in the second hour, The Christian Outlook. We'll hear from Pastor Alan Jackson about his book, Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We'll hear from Stephen Moore as he talks about the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and Frank Gaffney of the Center for Security Policy on the FBI raid of the former president's residence. That's coming up and more on this week's Christian Outlook. Well, Turkish scorpion farmers, they actually milk the arachnids for their expensive venoms. Now, it's interesting to me to consider how you would go about milking a scorpion. Well, thousands of scorpions housed in transparent plastic boxes line the walls of a breeding laboratory in Turkey's southeastern uh, province so waiting for personal um, treatment. Um, to be milked, if you will, their expensive venom used to produce medicine. Well, using a pair of tweezers and tongs, lab employees remove the scorpions from the boxes and wait as they squeeze a tiny drop of venom from their needles into a receptacle. The venom is uh, then frozen and turned into powder uh, before it's sold. Well, a single scorpion produces about two milligrams of venom and the lab is able to obtain about two grams of venom daily, according to the owner of the scorpion farm. That sounds like a movie, The Scorpion Farm. Um, The farm opened in 2020, now has about 20,000 scorpions of the uh, Turkish variety, which was identified as a distinct type in an article published in the uh, Scorpiology Journal of 2021. So if you want to know more, go to the Scorpiology Journal. We both breed the scorpions themselves and also milk them. We freeze the venom that we obtain as we result as uh, a result of the milking we do. Then we turn it into powder and sell them. To Europe. Again, if, you, if you've seen a scorpion, they have to be milked just to get the, uh, the venom out so that you and I can have the pharmaceuticals we desperately need. And by the way, they're not injured in the process, apparently. It's like a cow. You milk the cow, you wait for the next day, there's more milk. Huh. If you've ever wondered what baked bean ice cream tastes like, okay, neither have I, but Londoners are basking under Britain's hottest ever summer. And they're getting the chance to find out and sample a range of other flavors more readily associated with slavery winter dishes, including porridge oats and HP sauce ice cream. There's lots of weird flavors, and me and my sister were very excited to try lots of them, said one nine-year-old. That sounds about right. Nine-year-old baked bean ice cream. A customer at the Ice Cream Project temporary store in central London Uh, I think the weirdest is probably ketchup and baked beans because it's just like the most unusual thing that you would ever have. Ketchup ice cream. Store employees uh, describe the project, which runs until the 28th, as offering a new twist on British store covered classics, and it's proving a hit. We sold out of six weeks worth of ice cream in four days, so we've been really, really popular. We've got our own regulators, uh, which is really lovely uh, as well. I'm sorry, but baked bean ice cream doesn't sound porridge ice cream, ketchup ice cream. But, you know, in the first world, you just get bored and you start making stuff. I'm not that bored yet. 
A Pennsylvania man eating with his family at a Delaware restaurant made a surprising discovery inside of a, a clam, a purple pearl. Well, Scott Overland of Phoenixville was eating at the Salt Air restaurant in uh, in his uh, town with his wife and children when the discovery was made inside a northern Quahog clam, a clam rather. At first, his wife thought it was like a bead or something like that. It looked like one of those dot candies on the paper. Uh, he said, we thought the chef dropped something in there. The family soon realized the object was, in fact, a pearl. We had never heard of a pearl in a clam. Um, I always thought they were um, uh, found in oysters. Well, ballad clams and oysters, spokesperson said, both oysters and clams are known to produce pearls. He said he hears of diners making similar discoveries two or three times a year. Usually it's over a dentist claim. <laughs> they bite into it. But you can definitely get it uh, graded, and they, uh, they're worth some money. Not clear how much. Overland said that he's planning to have the pearl appraised. Purple pearl in a clam. I like my chowder. I can do without the pearl. Well, Illinois is rebranding an invasive carp in the hopes of encouraging people to eat it and solving a decades-old issue that's been threatening the ecosystem of the U.S. state's waterways. Now, interestingly, people don't eat it for a reason, but they've launched a new name to help people consume this delicious fish and help us do our work in keeping them out of the waterways, said the assistant chef um, and uh, the chief of fisheries in the Illinois Department of Natural Resources. Uh, he and others want everyone to start calling the abundant fish, uh, formerly known as Asian carp, copy, C-O-P-I. Names mean something, he says. Back in the 70s, there was a fish called slimehead, underutilized, but when you go to a restaurant and get orange roughy, everybody's like, oh, this is awesome. So a name means something, and it's the same fish. He said, well, the state is uh, the state of Illinois even launched a new website uh, where facts, nutritional information and recipes for the fish are provided. Anything you do with ground meat, you can do with copy. Says the owner of Dirk's Fish and Gourmet Shop in Chicago. He says that he uh, he's been selling the fish in the stores since 2010. So burgers are. Um, most popular for us here, but we've done sausage, tacos, all kinds of stuff. Everything uh, we've made, people have liked. So they're trying to address more than one problem. Since 2004, over $600 million in state and federal funds have been uh, fed into fixing the problem of the invasive carp. Now they're going to fix the problem by fixing the cuisine and changing the name. Would that problems were that simple most days. Well, a California man has broken a world record. I'm not sure I'd want to approach this one, but he did it in one minute. Well, it's a pretty red-hot record. A man in California was recently recognized for breaking the world record for the most ghost peppers eaten in one minute. Gregory Froster, may he rest in peace, was recognized on Monday by Guinness World Records for eating 17 ghost peppers, also known as, I can't pronounce the uh, other name, Anyway, he did so in 60 seconds. He broke the record on the 14th of November of last year in San Diego, according to a press release from Guinness. In total, he consumed 3.98 ounces of the ghost peppers. While we're just hearing about it now, not altogether clear, but ghost peppers can register 1 million or more Scoville heat units, while a jalapeno pepper raises, uh, registers about 2,500. 
and 8,000 SHU, the press release said. Well, this record attempt is a personal challenge to see how far I can push myself and my love for super hot peppers, he said in a statement. He continued, as a chili lover, I've been trying to advance the awareness and excitement surrounding the super hot chilies out there. Well, Foster already has two other world records, including the record for the most Carolina Reaper chilies eaten in one minute, uh, which he broke in 2017, and the fastest time to eat three Carolina Reaper chilies, which he broke in December of 2021. This attempt was solely a personal endeavor to achieve another Guinness World Record alongside my currently standing ones, uh, he said of his ghost pepper record. I love chili eating and pushing myself. I remember I was in Serbia once and we were seating uh, seated at a table with um, some Serbian uh, folks and uh, there were peppers on the table and there were some Serbian men who were just popping them like candy. And I asked them about it and they said, oh, they're, they're not that hot. And um, I said, I'd like to try one. And they they cautioned me, you know, they, they might be a little warm for you. But I thought, no, these guys are eating them like candy. I popped one of those things in my mouth and I'm telling you, my laugh, life flashed before my eyes it was the worst thing I'd ever had in my life. I, I thought my head was literally going to explode, like in the cartoons. It took um, it took hours before it was completely restored. But there are some things you can eat following a hot food like that that help. But wow, it was uh, it was hot. And these ghost peppers are significantly hotter. If what I ate wasn't a ghost pepper, um, are considered among the hottest on the planet. Wow. Well, I have a vegan story here, but I don't have very much time, so I'm going to save that for next week. Uh, But I do want to remind you that coming up is the uh, Christian Outlook in the second hour of today's program. And you'll hear from a number of uh, folks who do what I do across the country, uh, interviewing people of interest. Pastor Alan Jackson, author of Big Trouble Ahead, Stephen Moore. Uh, He's going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act and Frank Gaffney of the Center for Security Policy about the uh, raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, that and more on this week's Christian Outlook. So that's coming up after news and traffic here at the top of the hour. Also, a reminder, Fish Fest coming up this Saturday, the Salem Waterfront. You can find out all the important details at kpdq.com. Look for Sam. He'll be there with his uh, little flying machine. And James will be there as well doing only stuff James knows knows about. He's working with the artists and all those uh, those details. So anyway, hope you'll have a great time at Fish Fest. That's coming up on Saturday. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a few moments with a Christian Outlook. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show. And like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.